The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. They send Wadley in motion, and they get through the middle. Big time room to run for Daniels. Inside the 25, one man to beat. And he is still on his feet, in for the touchdown. 50 yards. And Daniels, his second score of the game, puts this one on ice. It's 20 to nothing. Daniels, a great job of staying on his feet and finishing it off, not just the run, but very likely the game, as Iowa's now up three scores. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This is a Thanksgiving week special reporter's notebook podcast, Iowa's Black Friday to-do list. Featuring Scott Docterman previewing the Hawkeyes Cornhuskers game for the Heroes Trophy. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs during football season, which includes sports reporter Scott Docterman of landof10.com and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, plus our own Tyler Jumeland and Jack Bransgard. Game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Scott Graham and Jay Lemon. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeye's mic programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years. The Iowa Hawkeyes host the Nebraska Cornhuskers in the annual Black Friday game, where the winner also secures the Heroes Trophy for another year. The visiting team has won the last four games in this series, including Iowa's victory in Lincoln a year ago. Both teams have a lot at stake in this game. Nebraska still has a chance to tie for the Big Ten West title and go to the Big Ten Championship game if Minnesota can upset Wisconsin. But if Iowa wins and the Badgers lose, the Hawkeyes can tie for the Big Ten West title. Although they would not be eligible to go to Indianapolis, that option is only available at this point for Wisconsin and Nebraska. An Iowa win would also significantly improve its postseason bowl slotting. It's senior day in Iowa City, and 14 Hawkeyes will play their last game at Kinnick Stadium. This group of seniors has seen a great deal of success, not the least of which was 2015's undefeated regular season and a trip to the Rose Bowl. Overall, this class has participated in 34 wins, including 22 Big Ten victories, which is the third most under Ferentz. Those seniors include C.J. Bethard, Ron Caluzzi, Cole Croston, Jaleel Johnson, LaShawn Daniels, Faith Ikakity, Steve Ferentz, Anthony Gare, Mitch Kepi, Desmond King, George Kittle, Greg Maven, Riley McCarron, and Ryan Ward. They will all be recognized in pregame ceremonies. Iowa is 7-4 overall, 5-3 in the Big Ten. Nebraska comes into Iowa City at 9-2 and 6-2 in conference play. The Huskers' only two losses came at Wisconsin and Ohio State. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is in his 18th year heading the Hawkeyes program with a record of 134-91 and at the helm. He is now tied for 6th in the Big Ten in conference wins and 7th in overall victories. Nebraska head coach Mike Riley is in his second year in Lincoln, where he is 15-9, and in his 16th year as a college head coach with an overall 
overall record of 108 and 89. Nebraska leads the series 29, 14, and 3, but Iowa has won two of the last three games, both in Lincoln, 38 to 17 in 2013, and last year's 28 to 20 win. The Huskers won the 2014 game played at Kinnick in overtime, 37-34. With the Heroes Trophy at stake, the Huskers hold a 3-2 advantage. The last time Iowa defeated Nebraska in Iowa City was a 10-7 win all the way back in 1981, which coincidentally was the first game Kirk Ferentz coached in as an Iowa assistant under Hayden Fry. A Nebraska win on Friday would result in a tie for the biggest improvement in the regular season win column from one year to the next in the school's history. In 2015, the Huskers were only 5-7 and seven in the regular season. It would also be their first 10-win season since 2012. This game closes out the regular season, and both teams are bowl eligible. The Hawkeyes are bowl eligible for the 15th time in the last 16 seasons, winning six games in that span, which is the second most in the Big Ten after Ohio State's eight wins. This will be another national telecast on ABC with announcers Alan Bestwick, Mike Bellotti, and Chris Budden, and will be a featured showcase for both teams. The game can also be heard on the Hawkeyes radio network as usual with Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. It will be available on Satellite Radio, XM, and Sirius Channels 81, and it will also be broadcast nationwide on Westwood One Sports with announcers Ted Emmerich and Chuck Long. What exactly did you have in mind, Mr. Carlson? <laughs> what do you suppose he's up to? And I think I hear something now. Helicopter. Something just came out of the back. Perhaps a skydiver. There's no parachutes yet. Oh my God, they're turkeys! Turkeys are hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement. Thanks for that on-the-spot report, class. I thought it would work. It's pretty strange after that. I really don't know how to describe it. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. And an opportunity for a return. Not a whole lot there for Illinois. And the fumble, and the ball is covered up by Iowa. Ragamba comes out of the pack with the football. Well, it looked like Nathan Eckert got the short kick. He's the up man. You have short kicks when the wind's blowing at you. This is something that the wind does. And Ragamba came right in and stripped the ball. And it comes out, and Ragamba says, you know what? I don't just want to get the strip. I want to get the recovery. Force the, fumble and the recovery. The freshman out of Naperville Central making plays. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. <laughs> Just a reminder, you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawkeyes. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, Medium, and Facebook. Wadley 
He's got eight touchdowns on the year. Deep back in the eye formation. And it is Wadley. And he's in for the score. Akram Wadley with 82 yards on the day. And he finds the end zone for the first time. It's 27 to nothing. If you look at the surge of the offensive line from Iowa, it was so powerful on that play that Wadley didn't really get touched until he was in the end zone. They're making it look easy now as they have just worn this Illinois team down. After the turnover, just a 26-yard drive. It took them only five plays. And Iowa's up 28 to nothing. Time now for our regular Reporter's Notebook show this week with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles online at landof10.com. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott and I preview this Friday's Nebraska game, looking at Iowa's to-do list to come out with its eighth victory of the regular season. Scott, as you know, we're doing something a little different. It's a Black Friday football game, the annual fight for the Heroes Trophy between Iowa and Nebraska. It's a short week. You have Thanksgiving. So instead of our longer interview, we're going to do a a to-do list for the Iowa Hawkeyes in this Friday's game, the matchup with Nebraska. So let's start on offense for Iowa, which means that's Nebraska's defense. What are the key to-dos for the Hawkeyes to be successful against the Nebraska Blackshirts? They're going to have to control the line of scrimmage on offense. I mean, they're going to have to run the football effectively with their two-headed monster of LaShawn Daniels and Akram Wadley. They're going to have to do kind of what they have done when they've been successful year in a week after week and that is control the, the, the game control the line of scrimmage and then hope and cross your fingers that they can hit a couple of passes down the field now that's that's asking a lot right now that they can hit one or two passes down the field but but uh, Iowa has done a nice job you know the problem is you know Nebraska is actually not too bad I mean run defense there they give up about 130 per game uh, I mean that's you know Iowa rushes for about 164 so there's Nebraska is much better against the run than they were last year. But that said, uh, you know, they, uh, Iowa has shown that it can run on anybody as it showed against Michigan. So Iowa needs to take care of its business, move the chains, and then, uh, you know, and hope and pray and cross their fingers and do whatever it needs to that, that maybe they can complete a pass. I mean, the last two weeks, you know, they've completed, uh, you know, nine passes last week against Illinois, you know, real similar number. I think it was eight against Michigan. Again, so um, you know those are numbers that typically you get in one game. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, yeah. So 17 total in the last two weeks. So um, Iowa has to hope to get eight and a half this week, and then run for about 200 yards. It's possible, but Nebraska poses a pretty strong defense, so it's going to be quite a grind for the offense. The two stats that stood out for me in terms of Iowa's offense versus Nebraska's defense: total offense, in spite of the two consecutive wins at home against Michigan and on the road at L. Illinois, those games did not do much, if anything at all, to improve Iowa's offensive stats. Iowa still is 121st nationally on total offense. Nebraska, 21st nationally in total defense. But the one stat that really stands out in Iowa's favor, and it has all season long, is red zone offense. Iowa is still 17th in the country. Yeah, and that's uh, that's always kind of an interesting statistic. Do you score touchdowns or do you score field goals? Now, to their credit, they score when they get in there. I mean, they rarely mess up. I mean, they do produce points, and in a game like this, I think any kind of points are going to be helpful, but but you know, Iowa does score when they get in there. I remember against Rutgers, 
was when they attempted a fourth down. And part of me at the time was thinking, hey, you guys have converted, you know, 100% of your opportunities in uh, the red zone. Why are you wasting it here? But, you know, I don't know if it was just, hey, let's just get this one out of the way so they're not perfect anymore or what. But, uh, you know, Iowa does convert when they get there. The challenge for them is going to be getting there. I think they can run the ball effectively against just about anybody, but they're going to have to do it consistently against an offense that, uh, you know, also can move the ball and has much better receivers on the outside. So I think this is going to be a treat test for Iowa as to whether or not they can sustain drives, score points, and uh, and be disruptive on the other side of the ball. Hey, let's flip over here to Iowa's defense versus Nebraska's offense. Nebraska's been very productive in nearly every game they've played this year. And so what are Iowa's to-dos on defense to be able to try to slow down the Cornhuskers' offense? Well, first and foremost, uh, you know, it depends on what kind of quarterback they're going to get. Riker Fife had surgery on his wrist and is out for the season or out for this game apparently. He was uh, backing up Tommy Armstrong who missed last game with a hamstring and and so uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised if Tommy Armstrong is able to uh, you know make the end up playing in this game even though he's, he was probably doubtful before the injury. So you know taking care of business there that's going to be really a challenge. I doubt if Tommy Armstrong will be full strength if he does play so that may take him out of running the football. So they might be able to play a little bit better pass defense. But really, as any game in the Big Ten, and certainly this one, it's going to be about stopping the run. And and uh, Nebraska statistically is a little bit better than Iowa. I mean, they're running at a, you know 186 yards per game, but but you know they they have Terrell Newby. He's a really good running back. But but I've seen them have better running backs and better you know better running games than this one. I just think they're very consistent. So if Iowa can play defensively the way it has the last two weeks against the run, allowing both opponents less than 100 yards, I think they stand a chance to really keep Nebraska in the crosshairs because uh, the quarterback situation. I mean, if they have to go three deep, they're in trouble. I mean, you know, you're talking about a guy making his first, you know, really seeing his first action on the road at a hostile environment in a rivalry game and with a lot at stake and uh, you know, trying to, to control the, the elements and stuff. I, I don't know that they have a, a really good quarterback able to do that, um, you know, that third team. And Armstrong could, but but how mobile will he be with a hamstring injury? So I think if Iowa can make sure to control the line of scrimmage and stop the run, I think that really puts a lot of pressure on you know, the quarterback who I think it's going to be Zach Darlington, a sophomore. So that's going to be a big challenge for him to be able to win each and every play. So I think it's up to Iowa to stop the run and, and you'll stop the Oscars. Similarly to the two stats that stood out for me on Iowa's offense versus Nebraska's D, they're the same ones that stand out for me here in terms of Iowa's defense and Nebraska's offense. Iowa's defense is 31st in the country in total defense. Nebraska's offense is 73rd in the country. So that's a stat that's in Iowa's favor. And in red zone defense and red zone offense, again, Iowa's defense, just like its offense, has had a very successful year inside the red zone. Red zone defense is 12th in the nation. Nebraska's red zone offense is 90th. Yeah, that's going to be real crucial. And and I think even more, I think the, the one statistic that jumps out for me is going to be third down. Iowa allows, you know, conversions at 35%, which is pretty good. It's 28th in the nation, 5th in the Big Ten. Nebraska's 
is pretty good as well. You know, forty-seven percent second in the Big Ten, nineteenth nationally. So I think this is, uh, you know, that's probably where things meet. You know, can Iowa get off the field on third down? Can Nebraska convert and keep drives alive on third down? That's probably the ultimate situation for this game because I think Iowa's offense is in kind of a, you know, if they get twenty points, I'll be pleasantly surprised. But the defense is going to have to hold serve to two or to three scores and uh, you know that so that third down situation is going to be crucial as to whether Nebraska produces points or Iowa can get off the field and, and limit their opportunity score. A couple of real nice stories on defense too. Josie Jewell we learned this week is one of the five finalists for the Butkus Award. A kid who nobody at least from a Power Five conference other than Iowa was even remotely interested in. Then you have Jaleel Johnson as a senior and he's one of 14 seniors going out and his final home game has really come on strong the last few games and then I think the story that everybody's been talking about is Manny Ragamba coming in 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 an emergency situation basically against Michigan and at Illinois and playing lights out yeah exactly I mean their defense has got some really big uh, name players as you mentioned Josie Jewell what a story he is what the ultimate Iowa type player I just wrote about it you know his his family owns a turkey farm north of Decorah they have about 20,000 turkeys and so he'd have to, uh, you know, when he was younger, you know, hurt them all up, put them in the, <laughs> get them sent out for everybody's enjoyment on Thanksgiving, and, uh, <laughs> you know, they keep a couple for themselves, but, you know, he's the leading tackler in the Big Ten. He's also the, uh, probably the, um, you know, one of the strongest tacklers, and he's only a junior, so uh, very impressive, and then Jaleel Johnson, I think, has played himself into maybe first-round territory in the NFL draft. I mean, just, he's not only a wide-load, physical, strong, but he's quick and agile in the Interior. I think uh, there'll be a lot of uh, NFL clubs salivating over him. And as you mentioned, with Manny Gamba, I think he's been an upgrade. And you know, and that's no offense to Greg Maven. I think mean, he's, he's a really good player for a long time. But you know, Maven is is kind of like what Ben McKean was a few years ago. Um, just you know, when he came in as a freshman, he's more athletic. Just you know, just really tough. He's forcing turnovers. I mean, last week he forced and recovered the fumble on the kickoff. He also interception against uh, uh, Michigan. He had a pick against Minnesota. He's just really doing a lot of different things. So I think this is a, really a um, you know an ascending defense. And then the other guy I'll throw out there is Anthony Gare. Stepped in on the third play of the game against Michigan and ended up with seven tackles, uh, one for loss. And then last week he had eight tackles and, and starting for Miles Taylor's concussion protocol. So I think both of them are, you know, all of those players have really stepped up and, and shown really in the last two weeks that this team is capable of playing much better than what it showed against Penn State. I mean, it was kind of a hopeless situation back then, and, and now you're looking at a team that uh, you know, can finish strong and with a lot of positive juice. You and I have talked off and on all season about the trouble that Iowa's had in terms of its safety play, and I see in this week's two deeps for Iowa, they're listing Gear and Miles Taylor, who was the starting safety in that position all year, with a slash mark, but frankly, Gear's played better than Taylor. So that'll be an interesting decision that the coaching staff has to make on Friday. Yeah, they're both listed as slash. You know, um, if it was me, just based on what I've seen this year, I would definitely go with Anthony Gear, especially, you know, it is senior day. But, you know, that said, you know, they see him every day in practice. Um, but to me, the, the game film <laughs> doesn't lie. I see uh, a lot of good stuff from uh, from Gare. Okay, over to the special teams matchups. What are Iowa's to-dos in that category? Oh, boy. I mean, you know, first of all, they've, they've really come on strong this this uh, these last few weeks. 
there in that category. They're forcing turnovers two two weeks in a row on the, the kickoff. Yeah, the uh, kickoff team has forced some pretty good turnovers. So that's that's really important, I think, for the Hawkeyes to continue that trend. I mean, anytime you do that, it's a plus. Um, you know, they had a punt return from Riley McCarron. I mean, uh, so to, so to be able to to continue to do that, well, I think it's also strong. And last week, for the first time, I can't remember when, and I haven't been able to check nationally. The last, what was the last time a team didn't didn't even kick off? <laughs> That's what uh, you know Illinois did. I mean, because Iowa kicked off twice, both to start the game and start the second half. So I think that's uh, that's also crucial. But you know, punting wise, uh, you know Iowa's Rockaloosie is a pretty decent punter. Um, he's fifth in the Big Ten, you know, in net. He's also had some you know boomers, and then uh, you know Iowa Keith Duncan obviously is, is made good on most of his you know his attempts. Uh, field goal wise, he's eight and nine. He's kicked all of his uh, extra points. So I think Iowa has a little bit of an edge there when it comes to uh, the kicking game, and you know, and that's just going to be a matter of can Iowa force an, you know, another turnover? Uh, you can't really count on that, but convert the short and easy kicks. Um, you know, Drew Brown is a nice kicker for for Nebraska, so he's been perfect from extra point range. But uh, and in fact, both he and Keith Duncan have the same number of extra points in 34. So it'll be uh, I think it's, it might come down to field goals and and uh, you know who could force what error on special teams. One of the more interesting things that came out of the Illinois game, I thought, was the fact that who would have ever, first thing I thought of watching McCarron's punt return for the touchdown was after all that Desmond King has done all season long in kick and punt returns, who would have thought McCarron would be the one to get the touchdown? <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is kind of a, uh, you know, kind of a little bit unfortunate maybe for uh, Des that that was the case, but, you know, Desmond made the, the key block to spring McCarron. He was more the up back and was able to, to take out the first guy who would have definitely t- tackled McCarron. So to Des's credit, he was a team player on that play and made it happen. And then and then down the field, he saw some really big blocks. Josh Jackson had a nice one. Jack Hockaday had a really big block. So uh, Christian Welch, you know, so some younger players came up with some big plays. So, you know, it, it, as well as they blocked this year for Des, and they certainly did for McCarron, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they were able to spring another one come uh, Friday. Before we get your pick, let's take just a moment to look at the Big Ten. There's a lot of uh, to-dos on several teams' list this weekend. Stakes are very high. It's the final weekend of regular season play. Seven teams still contending for division titles. Five of those are alive for a spot in the Big Ten championship game. The East Division's wild, and there's all kinds of tiebreakers at play depending on what happens in Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. And in the West, both Nebraska and Wisconsin still have a chance to go into the Big Ten title game, and Iowa still has a chance to tie for the Big Ten West title. Yeah, it makes it for an intriguing final weekend, doesn't it? Uh, you know, looking you know locally with Iowa, if you know if Iowa pulls out a win and uh, if Minnesota wins, that's a four-way tie for the West. Now we know in that scenario, it, it Wisconsin goes on, and and uh, but that said, you know there's something for hey, at least you tied for you know the West Division title. You can always kind of claim that, even though Wisconsin would get the the uh, you know the actual trip to Andy. Now you know there's also a chance Iowa eliminates Nebraska with a win on Friday. So not only do you boost your own chances for at least a little bit of hardware, but you take it away from your opponent and, you know, in a rivalry game, I think it's approached that status. And, you know, I think that would be, that would certainly add to the spice
spice and flavor of the series, no doubt about it. So I think that figures into it. And then you look across the way at, um, you know, in the East. I mean, what a peculiar situation. I would say right now Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten, kind of like last year. However, they are stuck. They The only way they would get to the Big Ten title game is if Penn State loses. And, uh, and Penn State's playing Michigan State. And while Michigan State's played very spirited football, uh, they're not very good. And uh, so I think, and based on last year where they kind of rubbed salt in Penn State wounds, you know, had the center take a handoff for a touchdown, I would kind of expect Penn State to do whatever it needs to do to win by 40 if they can uh, against uh, the Spartans. And I think they will. And then Michigan, Ohio State, to me, still the greatest rivalry in sports. Uh, you know, it's in Columbus. <laughs> you know, Ohio State, I think if Ohio State wins, it goes to the playoff. It just won't go to the Big Ten Championship. And if Michigan wins, it goes to the Big Ten Championship game. It still keeps its playoff hopes alive and eliminates the, the Buckeyes from going to the playoffs. So there's a lot at stake there, a lot in play. It's fun to watch and observe and, and predict and and uh, you know, sets up for one terrific weekend of college football. Strange doings last week, too. Both Ohio State and Michigan really struggled to pull those wins out. Ohio State with a one-point victory over Michigan State, and Michigan hosting Indiana, whether it was a hangover from the Iowa loss or both of those teams looking ahead to the last week of the season. Michigan barely beat out Indiana. The Hoosiers were still in that game with a couple of minutes to go, so I don't even know how to pick that game on this Saturday. But let's go back and talk about picking Friday's game. It is senior day at Iowa. There are 14 seniors. Many of those have had major contributions throughout their Iowa careers. It's been a successful run for that senior class. They certainly contributed to the 12-0 regular season in 2015. And an interesting, more than a footnote, really, for senior day, Kirk Ferentz has had three of his sons play for him on the Hawkeyes. And the last of those will play his last game in Kinnick Stadium, Stephen, this uh, Friday. So, Heroes Trophies at stake. Right now, it resides in Iowa City. Iowa's got a chance to get eight wins on the season, and I don't think hardly anyone would have thought that would have been the case after the Penn State blowout. Certainly a chance to improve their bowl slotting. And Nebraska, as you noted, still has a chance to win the Big Ten West and go to the championship game in Indianapolis if Minnesota would pull the upset. So, what are you thinking in this game? Well, that's a lot there, John. (laughs) I think what I'm thinking is is that uh, once they put on the helmets and kick the ball off, it's going to be about how much do they hate the other team and they want to win. And I think that, that feeling's mutual. I don't. I think they'll, you'll throw out the record. I think you'll throw out the you know, Big Ten title hopes for either team. I think you throw out the bowl aspirations. It's going to be you know two rivals going at it really hard in the late afternoon. And I think that's the best thing to me. That's what college football is all about. I mean, we I do bowl projections a lot. I really get into it, but you know the soul of college football are rivalry games, and this is what we got here in late November. And and uh, looking at these two, I mean the numbers kind of sway a little bit more towards uh, Nebraska statistically, uh, but then you take you, you got to take the quarterback situation in under consideration. I mean, if they're going to be playing a third team quarterback or even a Tommy Armstrong who's hampered, um, that's going to limit what they can do. You know, if, if Armstrong's in there, he's got all the mental capabilities. Of playing well, but the physical limitations and then if you throw in a sophomore, it's really going to be difficult in the surroundings. I think the positivity around the Iowa program is somewhat contagious. I mean, the way that they were able to beat Michigan you know, really changed the feeling around the program in the positive direction. And then you throw on a shutout against Illinois in a kind of a methodical, just get it done type of way. I, 
I think that, that shows that Iowa is, is feeling better about itself and, and to get a win. I mean, there is such a huge line between seven and eight wins in Iowa history. Seven is kind of that mediocre benchmark. Eight is kind of the, okay, it wasn't that bad of a year. It was a good year. And I think the way they would end it would probably put it in the latter's favor, kind of the way it did in 2008. Breaking this all down with so many variables, it's so early in the week. <laughs> but I, I, I think I'm going to go with Iowa. I think that they are they've proven to be a really tough-minded football team. The business won four out of the five since the last to joined the Big Ten, including the last four. But I think Iowa might stem this a little bit. I They've got the running game going. They're a little bit banged up up front, but I think they'll be able to survive the way they did before. This is going to be a very, very physical football game, uh, hard fought on both sides. But I think Iowa probably pulls it out, and it's going to be, uh, you know, chew your fingernails all the way down to the to the nub. But I think Iowa's going to win 16-13 in Kinnick Stadium on Friday afternoon. Where's your killer instinct, son? You gotta get angry! You gotta get mean! That's the only way you can play! Well, I guess I'm not really an angry person. Are you angry now? Kirk Ferentz's team did what they had to do. Lovey Smith's team get one more shot at it next week at Northwestern. But the Hawkeyes are going to leave Champaign with a 28-point victory here today. And if you're Iowa, you got to be pleased with all three phases. Offense started slow against a tough Illinois defense. But the spark of Riley McCarron with the punt return led them to have a big second half. 28 to nothing. the final score. LaShawn Daniels getting it done today on the road and finding the end zone twice for the Iowa Hawkeyes who walk out with a victory. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and as always, thanks to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting Iowa athletics for 10 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.